0: Welcome to the Game Agenda, where four gay guys bring board games out of the closet and onto the table. The thump, Th-thump. just like that, mm-hmm. right out of the. We get into the squeaking door of the closet. That's right. There we go. Now we got the whole thing. So today, the whole thing is discussion on Castel, the pyramid building game.
1: Wait, wait, pyramid building? The
0: person building pyramid game? Human the pyramid, pyramid person
1: game? Better the human. Castelling game.
0: <laughs> the game. Castel- yes, for those of you in the know, Castell says enough, but for those of you not in the know, think humans and a pyramid.
2: Not a human centipede. Not a human no, centipede. No, no, that's
0: a whole nother game, and we're not getting into that one, sorry, no. But um, I am Kevin.
3: I'm Larry. I'm Nick. And I'm Matt.
0: And we are here to talk about Castell, but first we are going to talk about what games we've played last week. So, I know we like to play a lot of games. Um, so, who's first? Larry, have you I'm played something? I'm
2: first, absolutely. I got uh, a recent Kickstarter delivery in that I've been waiting like a year for. was super excited for it. It's called Feudum. And yes, it is. I think it's actually
1: Feudum. No, Matthew, it's not <laughs> Feudum. It's
2: Feudum. Uh, beautiful game. Uh, very heavy Euro, very much... Um, uh, it 's not quite worker placement, but it sort of is because you 're kind of moving around the board worker movement worker movement will go with um, it 's very much about kind of control of the of these guilds that you have and it's just it was all very interesting to me it was there was some action selection uh, done with cards um, i just I really really enjoyed it i don 't know I think it was just the beauty of the game itself and like the colors and the artwork and everything that I really really liked I know. Um, Matt and Kevin. Me and Kevin are just here in silence. <laughs> Matt and Kevin played it with me, and they didn't like it quite so much. I think it's really long, and it's very complicated to I teach. I mean, both
0: uh, literally, figuratively, I guess you could say, because oh, the, yeah, the board itself the is one long. of the longest boards it's it's I've like, seen.
1: It's like a four. It's like four, or five, like fold of like just like. Bloop, bloop. Like, very long.
0: Because it has the guilds on the opposite ends and then the map in the middle, so that it's, takes up a lot art of space. The gorgeous. Art the is Larry's
1: gorgeous. Larry's right. It's this... I mean, I think this is what I drew a lot of people to the Kickstarter in the first place, was this just amazing, giant landscape art of the board. And, like,
2: all the art matters for, like, the placement of items mm-hmm. and...
1: The, and it's all yeah. incorporated into Everything the Everything is line. done by art, so you can't even That's tell really cool. that it's part of the game. Which like is, the bubbles and the waves. Which is their issue. <laughs> oh, I
0: forgot about the bubbles and the waves. There's like Part
1: of it is you're moving, right? And so like the roads that you're moving on, the land, are drawn on the map, right? Okay. But then also on in the water, you can move by boat, which has little waves to, instead of a road to show where you can move. Or you can move by submarine, which has little bubbles. Or, or by an airship. airship, which has little birds. Um, But they're just drawn as part of the art. And it can be really confusing, especially telling like bubbles and waves apart. <laughs> I think the, the hardest bubbles. was going up the
0: river was tricky. Well, the yeah. waves
2: went up the river; that wasn't hard, and the bubbles were on the inside of all the islands. But weren't
0: we confused how one river attached to a, like a puddle or a lake or something? <laughs> Ooh, I don't know. I think
2: people were confused as to whether or not one of the feudums connected to a river. Oh, uh, that's not, what it was, and okay. whether that was a stop on the river,
0: right? Or... But it was beautiful looking.
1: Yes. Also, that was not the my at least for me not my main criticism. No, you hated uh, all the
2: math
0: that you had. To do oh there I is a it. lot
1: there is a Did lot you like to it? do
2: so in this game you have to kind of like dominant species you had you have to uh, contemporaneously update your standing in how dare
1: you
0: bring dominant species in comparison to this I game know.
2: it's the way it's done though it's the same it's like dominant species. the premise of
1: this game i think is awesome it's basically you're sort of feudal lords and you're establishing sort of your control over these different lands and there's six different guilds each relate to different things so there's like the farming guild and the the church guild the and the warrior guild, guild the <laughs> I wish guild. the lollipop guild <laughs> um, was there but you're so you're sort of establishing control by controlling different areas you then take control of the guilds but Every action somebody does oh is God. usually like changing in some way what areas you control and every guild you have to check to see which pieces people control and which areas people control and you add it up so to you're recalculating your guild.
0: every time that, somebody does one like move. That something
3: you'd want as like a video game to just
1: have it just do for you that would have been amazing so I play my card and I'm like I upgrade my my um, farm into a town and we're like oh okay well now let's look and see I have to decrease any any of the guilds that care about farms I have to re Recount and then compare to other people. Because we also don't know what their total point value is, so I have to count theirs and count mine. Yeah, there's and, no and tracker that
0: where you keep, And you then know. in the
1: towns that I now have, i got to recount all those and make sure if I went up on those... And it wasn't really co- color-coordinated very well to be able to tell, like, mm-hmm. what stuff went to where. Uh,
3: so, yeah. I mean,
0: here's the thing. As everybody's saying, the game is a smart game, and it's really nice-looking. It's missing... It was like it needed to go through the meat grinder one more time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to figure out this part of it. It's unfortunately like it. such an ongoing, massive part of the game. You constantly are having to retool it like, for that, that it, it interrupts the gameplay.
2: It was like a nice, beautiful game with poor UI. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a video yeah. game with poor UI. Because once you
1: get beyond that, the six guilds and the way they work is really cool. Because each yes. guild, whoever is the master is like pushing th- there's like pushing and pulling they're basically like activating the guild to do stuff so like if you're the master of the alchemist guild you like build invent ships and things like that but then the resources you spend then like it, it carries over to like the warrior guild right and then the warrior guild does something and then that carries over to like the noble guild and then that and so there's sort of like this circle of resources moving around the board where you're like pulling resources from the previous guild if you're the journeyman in the guild or if you're the master you're pushing the resources out of your guild into the next guild. And it, it's sort of like this fun little like balancing act.
2: All the card actions had like two actions you could take on it. The problem was is that they weren't always consistent in the way that they worked. Like sometimes they were in addition to, sometimes they were in lieu of, sometimes they were separate from. And so that also kind of made it a little bit confusing. But once I think you kind of understood the way that everything worked, it was really pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, I think that was one of the best teaches
3: I've ever done I, for okay, any game. I will just Larry say this, did a phenomenal it was job teaching the funniest, this absurd game. It was the <laughs> funniest
0: teaching of a game ever because it went on forever. And every time we would think we were done with the section, there was another section. My favorite part was
1: we spent, it took like 45 minutes of teaching. And then Larry's like, okay, and so that's the guilds. And we're like, okay. So that's the end of section one. Yeah, it was literally <laughs> now to step two of the turn, and I thought
0: they were lying. I remember having to look at the card that had the like like the order of what to do, and that literally was There's just like step four one. steps. Step
1: one and four. Now the other is, ones are much easier. Exactly. They're like do just this one thing, keep
0: whatever. Step one, but it was just, just was the funniest setup. It was like a comedy routine. I loved it.
2: <laughs> so that was feudum.
0: That was feudum, <laughs> and I I think it's worth like especially. Like, you know hardcore gamers for them to feel this out because there's some cool stuff going on in it yeah. just be prepared it's, if you can wade dense. through it i yeah. think it's there's yeah. a cool game but if in you there. like
2: heavy kind of economic heavy mm-hmm. euro games is definitely a game for you yeah, yeah you should
0: be trying it out though i mean definitely if you know somebody who has a copy of it like go over and force them to tell you how to play
2: <laughs> so how about you matt what have you been playing
1: um i played one of our favorites Azul. Uh, So I played with a couple new people and with uh, one of my friends who's played before. Uh, And we had a really interesting game of it. Did you play the preset side or the... You know, we played the preset side. And it's really funny because the first time I ever played, we played the preset side. And when I found out there was a blank side that you could do whatever you want, I was like, oh, we should always play that side. But then when I went back to the preset side, I'm just like, I like the preset side better. Oh, interesting. This is a turn. The reason I like the preset side is because people have different incentives for things. In the anything can be anything side, I can't really predict what you guys are going to do because you can build your thing however you want. But on the preset side, you know, if I see Lana's got this row and then the next row over is the black tile, well, I know she might be going for the black tile. So I can sort of predict what other players are gonna do. So do you feel like you I get like
0: more that. involved than in the other players' choices?
1: Yeah, because I think what I, one of my favorite my one of my favorite things about Azul is even though it's a competitive game, there's actually a reason to help other people. And it's like you want to set them up to have a good turn so that they don't so they don't get in your way by taking what you want. So you're mm-hmm. like, oh let me make this great move for Lana, because then I know she'll take that awesome move for her, which helps her, but she's not taking the thing that I need. And so we had a lot of that in this game. And the other thing that was really interesting was most of the time when we played Azul, it's ended after five rounds, right? Because somebody finishes their five rows after the five rounds, then it's done. But in this game, that didn't happen. We went like maybe nine rounds.
0: I think the first time we played on that board, it went longer than five. It didn't go nine, but it went longer than five because I think that board helps. Well, the thing that I realized
1: was. Finishing a row isn't very good for you. No. Like it's, it's not it's two extra points, but what's way more important it's is finishing the columns yeah. for seven or finishing all of one color for, for ten. ten. Yep, definitely. And so every round I was like, Well, I could end it this round, like or I could go to try to finish another column, mm-hmm. and so I think when players they sort of know how to play more and they focus on those which score you more points, then I think the game ends up going longer because unless you were in the lead and wanted
3: to end it, yeah. so yeah. no one else could. If you're just like yeah.
1: yeah, if you had to end it, then. yeah. So, but that, that's the
0: kind of fun thing to watch. Then is somebody trying to end it, or yeah. is everybody playing for points? And that's
3: a good thing. You don't want like you don't want ending the game to be worth too many points because yeah. then it's just a race to finish the game. Yeah. Which, so I think that's really smart game design to make sure that there's incentives to. There are some incentives to end it, but there are more to kind of keep. Have you played Azul well yet? No, I just. Oh, you, oh, you
0: would love <laughs> it. You will like it. It's great. Probably. But speaking of Nick, you instead were at a tournament recently, yes, I believe, I did just, for Magic.
3: So this is going to date the episodes. They're going to know how long how long we record. Oh no! <laughs> Only the
1: people who play Magic. <laughs> well, so you can figure.
3: It well, out, we know so. you've already done it, so we yes, don't know I when did. it happened. I did just play it at. Uh, I played a modern tournament in Phoenix, and was not how i wanted it to go oh um, so you won no <laughs> no i want to win uh, no i unfortunately um so i didn't play a ton of competitive magic like it's kind of like a year and a half ish ago and that's still affecting me somehow um so i had to actually play every round the first day of this very large tournament normally if you play a lot or you do very well you'll get by so you kind of can dodge the first round or two and that really helps because the first round is Kind of everybody who doesn't play a ton and you can just kind of run into something that there's no way you could have seen coming and that happened to me round one what? where so I was playing a blue deck which is slower it doesn't have as much uh, ability to like kind of pressure your opponent and my opponent was playing mill or trying to just run me out of cards in my <laughs> library and there is almost nothing I can do to beat that and the reason why I don't have to worry about that is because that strategy doesn't really work in the format most people, it's slower than all the combo decks, and it doesn't really do anything. And there are a lot of decks that, like, if you say, "Okay, I'm gonna mill you," they're like, "Great, I just want all this crap in my graveyard." So uh, he happened to hit his one good matchup, probably in you know, kind of in the room, which was me, and I died in spectacular fashion. Mm. And then because I was prepared for the decks that I thought would do very well, which I was accurate in predicting, but I wasn't. I wasn't in the winners' metagame. I was in the people who just lost round one metagame. So I just kept hitting things that I didn't really see All the see weird coming. decks that yep. are like So it was just totally like, unexpected. Here's, a deck, here's a deck from three weeks ago that doesn't actually beat anything anymore, but this is what that person had. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not begrudging this person, but i wasn't how dare i they. didn't play that i didn't so what's the how format? dare they it, beat you <laughs> is it a double
2: elimination or is it
3: so i played all the rounds because i was because i want to get my buys again so i was so i played all the rounds i ended up going four four which is very medium i did beat you know i eventually ran into some of the decks that i wanted to play against and i crushed them and that that felt really good kind of vindicating me but um but i didn't expect to take so many losses Wait, were you playing standard again modern, modern? okay yeah so all right, a little bit of a crapshoot anyway. But so no, played... no
0: terraforming Mars for you then. If no, you're I playing did all this play magic. Spirit
3: Island last night. That was Ooh, very fun. We love that spirit, love Island. spirit Island. We we spent like the first twenty minutes while I was trying to teach them. I, I made the joke about like you can just turn random things into spirit names. So like um, full of ash and hair or whatever from when we were do- talking about math trade. Yeah. <laughs> and then we just started coming up with ridiculous spirit <laughs> spirit names for like twenty minutes. So you're ready to do your subject. own,
0: you know, additional character. Yeah, we're going to
3: create an expansion with like, you know, ingredients from the ketchup bottle or whatever. (laughs) I mean, let's be honest. They're all basically drag names, right? Oh, they totally could be. (laughs) Some of them. Yeah. Yeah. Ocean's Hungry Grasp is a drag queen I, <laughs> know I would go right. <laughs> I don't
0: know if I want to go see that show <laughs> that would be great <laughs> so I was playing um, a couple games Feudum was one of them but um, I got to play Photosynthesis again which is nice because mm. I do love that game um, and it's just so beautiful uh, despite the fact that Matt Second, does not think so so <laughs> secondly
1: most beautiful game of last year no, first <laughs> winner winner game
0: um, but it's just it was with a couple people who hadn't played it before I think one other person person there's four of us um two of us had played before two of us hadn't and it was just a really nice experience again so i think it's even when you mix people who have played it with people who haven't you can have a great fun experience with that and it just always feels so serene to me no matter how competitive it gets and i did try something a little different where i was like i'm gonna just start um harvesting trees on the outside quickly instead of just trying Mm. to go for the middle and i ended up coming in second and i was one sun point off from being able to harvest one more time and mm-hmm. I was like, ah, oh, I just had miss, you know, calculated everything. Um and there were like wasted seeds on the ground. It was so disgusting. But I I do feel like every time I play it's possible to try a slightly different strategy and still be really enjoyable. So I, I still recommend that game. That's that's a, a sign nice. of a good game to I me. Mean. Yes. Yeah. I think it's really a nice game. Well so that's what we've been playing the last week or so, but now we're here to talk about our main game, the main event Castell, the um, Renegade release by Aaron van der Beek. And it is a game based on the um, concept of human pyramid building, as seen in Catalonian sport of the Catalonian sport yeah. of human pyramid. Which,
2: if no one has seen a video of this, Ugh. go on youtube and watch it because it's it's just really crazy um seeing how they form these giant pyramids this is this is not a cheerleader pyramid no no no, no, no. This, no. Is,
1: this is massive this is like we're talking like crowds and crowds of people yeah, at the base and they're pe- all like a hundred people or something. using
0: their weight to press in and it's very important and then these things these towers of people get really high and they're like four mm-hmm. or five people in a circle like creating like a leaning tower of of this craziness. And then there's small children that climb up to get into the top so they can get the the highest, (laughs) you know, that they possibly can. Now do not watch the videos where it says fail. Like you don't want to see the fail but like Never. when it works it's kind of amazing but mm-hmm. it's like we're watching a Cirque show where you're like oh my god I can't believe people can do this um, but it feels very um, architectural because you mm-hmm. can see how they're like leaning into stuff and the, yeah. the big, and the way the bigger players are going and then just the faces of those poor people on the bottom <laughs> level like they are just they are not so happy ugh.
2: everything that you just described is in the game I mean yes. the architecture the faces mm-hmm. were the faces I would make while I was trying to figure out <laughs> yeah. my move. I mean it was all here, every last bit of it.
0: Well, and we'll get. We'll definitely talk about the fact of like feeling like. This game has captured the feeling of the actual sport, mm-hmm. but um, let's talk a little bit about like how the game plays out. Um, Matt, you're so good always at explaining the kind of yeah. concepts of here. So go, um, go for it.
1: Yeah. So Castel uh, is a game about build, You're building your own like club of castellers, and you're touring around Catalonia, or is it all of Spain? Just Catalonia, it's the, the Catalonia region, of the Spain. Catalonian region of Spain, um, giving on giving performances, going to festivals, giving local performances Performances, um, all the while recruiting new people and um, training to get new skills. So the way it works is every turn, you've got um, four different actions, you can do um, one of each. So you can move to an adjacent region, you can recruit which lets you take two Castellers from your region. So they, they sort of populate around and the Castellers go from size 1 to size 10. They
2: come out of this giant, giant bag. <laughs>
0: this and bag is like this comically I feel absurdly like, yeah, large bag. I feel like a little... I, I actually
3: like, thought that the entire game went into the bag at first. It like probably it one of could. Those. But probably uh, apparently could. only the Castellers go in there. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I,
0: I think you could fit it all in. So
1: yeah, you're recruiting them and then you're training mm-hmm. these five different skills that sort of change the rules for how you're building your Castell Pyramid. Because the way it starts is your pyramid can be only three people wide, um, and every level uh, higher has to have fewer number of people, and they have to be smaller people than before. So I could have three tens on the bottom, then I could have two eights, then I could have one five on top, for instance.
0: No, not um, to like throw people off, but you're not actually building a 3D pyramid here out of the pieces
1: unfortunately now,
2: i think the numbers are their ratings for their appearances so like <laughs> the most attractive people are at the bottom the base of the pyramid is that is that, that
1: way when they're like when they're groaning and moaning and like gritting their teeth that they still look pretty good yeah it's, it's all tens all tens right <laughs> tens across the board across the boards, right okay so
0: that was bad yeah it's a drag race right yeah than exactly <laughs> you didn't get it that oh but
1: sorry yeah i don't watch drag race it's season Oops.
0: 10 um <laughs> The interesting thing about this game too is, I think the art itself and kind of how that brings into it the actual, as we were kind of alluding to, the different numbers are representing different people, and the people are different depending on the you know the number. They're actually small children by the time you get to the one or the lower numbers. They're, um, they're,
2: the, the pieces are actually different sizes. Yeah, and there's a couple
0: of sizes, like three different sizes, five, is it? Different yeah, five. Five, five different f- sizes, no, yeah. six, six, five different sizes, six,
1: seven five. different sizes.
2: It's it's ten, nine, eight, seven. no, no, technically it's like each seven one has a different
1: size. Well. Physical, there's a little bit of complication there because yes. there's the physical size of the pieces and then there's the numbers. Um, and it's like 10s and 9s are the same size, then 8s and 7s, 6s and 5s, five. 4s and 3s, but then 2s and 1s are separate.
2: Is there a 1? I think there was only two. There are 1s.
1: There are 1s. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, there are 1s. So I think okay. it's like, it's because like of that, there's actually 6 sizes?
0: I don't mm. know. Yeah. So that's a nice little extra bit too so that as you're building your human pyramid, you get a, a different look to it as well mm. as it's going up. Uh, so let 's talk a little bit about like some of the artwork on the box cover as well as the yeah. pieces and colors themselves, so what do you guys think, Larry? I know you were really into some of the colors a bit.
2: i I really like the color palette of this game mm-hmm. um, it's it 's this kind of like pastel color you know sometimes pastels don 't work for me, but for some reason, the color palette here is very appealing it It feels very much like spain to me i don 't i can 't articulate why, but it just does
1: It feels rustic to me, it's yeah. Like, it's got that sort of—I don't know—it just has that feel. Like it's—it feels like a little bit old-timey, kind like. of carnivaly. I think even yeah. in the way some of the
2: symbols are done, mm-hmm. like the, um, like the training symbol, kind of to me looks like a circus tent. Mm-hmm. And- oh, it totally does. Yeah. What well, I mean, think, that's think that's the festival like the feeling yeah. coming through,
0: yeah. and that's where I—I'll I'll get on board with that with the colors there because there are things like lavender and teal on some of the, the areas here, which feel festively like they're a little you know more brighter than just a rustic i don't want the mm-hmm. rustic to give it an impression of faded because some of the colors right. are mm-hmm. are more lively. you know pastel-y but um i i do feel like it continues through the game on all the pieces and all the color choices that are it feels really coherent um uh consistent and i love the box art yes i mean for oh me the God. box art's great it's great for a lot of reasons for me. It's great because the main background color is like a light, you know, yellowish mm-hmm. white. And that really allows the artwork to pop and the logo to pop. The, the logo's in red. And so it's big letters right at the top. And then the entire image is all of these people forming this human pyramid in a painterly style. Mm-hmm. And it's not like digital painting that looks and and I don't mean to like cut on digital painting but sometimes digital painting looks phony, you know, right. where this is has a little bit more of a fantasy feel to it of just, you know, movement because it's, you know, a little more, you know, traditional paint style. And they're all wearing these great pink shirts, mm-hmm. you know, so the costume, the outfit of the of the Castilians it's like fabulous. really yeah. Oh god, <laughs> oh, they look goodness. so good. I
1: also I really love how the way the tower is portrayed on the box it really feels like it's popping out at you um Mm -hmm. I i like that that too. It's a. It kind of creeps me out because it <laughs> it looks like
2: this like giant human vortex and um, the it's, well, it's not a very like photorealistic drawing and you so saw this like, first bit, before you
0: knew what it actually was because then we went and watched videos of it right yes. and we were like wow it's really accurate and, and it, this is exactly how it feels just
1: looking at it not knowing what castelling is you definitely get a little bit of the human centipede vibe <laughs>
3: but uh, <laughs> it's just this weird it gives me like old like old Greek art and there's just like a seal of arms and that's a thing now and like, yeah. but this is it's actually so how convenient. it looks and it, it does. It I have looks no like a idea if this arms. is
1: actually right but I think it's all these people at the bottom yeah. pushing in on the tower yes. to basically hold all of the people in place yes. um, which is so interesting yeah. uh, I think that and then, you know you see like
0: as I think Larry was alluding to it's the, the main mass of people are almost undefinable like blobs mm-hmm. as you go down there and because you're seeing near the top of the pyramid is kind of where the big point of the box is And that's the clearest, fully realized people. And so you see the the couple smallest people that are at the top, you know, very clearly and there's the one person kind of with their arm up like, hooray!
1: Okay, so there's an analysis now?
2: No, no, there's this like weird symbol in the, the I guess it's the left hand corner of the image. And I'm wondering if this is the artist's signature or what what do you guys think this is? I don't understand. It's like a little piece. Like a pie symbol. I see like a tongue
1: smiley. I bet that's an artist. It's probably their mark or their signature or something. Yeah, I bet you that's
0: what that is. Um, Okay. What I really, really like about
1: the, the box art, and also I think this goes throughout the game, is I feel like I know so much about Castelling now still probably a total novice but i feel <laughs> yeah. like like where i came from the point of like literally i knew nothing By yeah. like playing this game it's so engrossing that i'm like oh i feel like i like want to know more about this and i feel like i sort of understand it through the different abilities and things well
0: let's talk about that a little bit now that you brought it up because i think one of the key parts of this gameplay is the action of you know the different the balance um, abilities or whatever you want to call mm, them the skills, the skill sets that you do. And there's five to choose from. And that's where I think your flavor, you know, is really coming into play because mm-hmm. not that we all think we can run out now and form a human pyramid, <laughs> but like there is a sense of you're feeling like, Oh, these are all the kinds of things it takes. So who wants to kind of talk about that a little bit?
3: I just I thought that this game did an amazing job of actually turning the mechanics into what the videos we watched looked mm-hmm. like. Yeah, where the different skills allowed you to improve your balance or your like how wide the base you can do, um, how much you can mix and match people of different sizes. Right, so you can maybe mix nines and eights to kind of to form a better. Layer there than you would have otherwise been able to, because you only had one nine and one eight or something, yeah, like so that.
0: that's the thing is like there's certain yeah. rules to how to build your pyramid, and these are the ways to expand or mm-hmm. break those rules exactly
3: and and by just playing the game, you're gonna create these different kind of very unique pyramids that look like exactly the videos we watched mm-hmm. where they might be. Very wide at the bottom and then and very but then like very narrow as it goes up. Um, Matt at one point built basically a rectangle. Uh, that's something <laughs> you could do, I'm sure. But you know if you don't focus on balance, not very useful. Just, but you just build a, a, a cube. But. Um,
2: that's actually the, where the skill or the depth to the game comes yeah. in is mm-hmm. because even though there's five skills, they can be mixed and matched in a variety mm-hmm. of different ways to lead to all kinds of different scoring potentials because you score points based on how tall your pyramid is mm-hmm. as well as what um, strength characters or, or people you have in it. So like this festival might score if you have twos. So the more twos you have in your pyramid, the more points you're going to score mm-hmm. um, but the but the trick is is that you don't get access to every skill. You have to go to a particular region to mm-hmm. get that skill. And what region has that skill is constantly changing each turn of the game. Based I loved
1: on that, I don't know why on, on, I that was yeah, so cool. Kind of a yeah. skill. There's wheel. a little yeah. wheel, and then it's well, you and you only get to train one skill each round. So yep. there's like, is it nine or ten rounds in the game? I think ten. I think it's ten. Um, it's ten rounds in the game, and each round one of your actions is training. So you're getting you're get, you're either gaining a new skill or improving one of your skills every round and so each of these five skills actually can go all the way from zero up to five and so each turn you're choosing do i you know do i get more balance or maybe I want to add some strength and and i think that they did a really good job balancing the abilities because they all felt useful in different ways mm-hmm. uh, and they're all super immersive so you basically you have your balance which lets you have like the same number of people two times in a row um, to make sort of that tall vertical tower you've got your base which lets lets you have unlimited number of people on the base level. Um, mix lets you mix people that are similar in size in all in one level. Strength lets you have... Um, the same number. So like I could have fives and then another thing with fives on it. Um, And then width allows you to broaden um, your pyramid. So they were all different. They're all really useful. Mm -hmm. It was very fun. When we started,
0: I think our game didn't, a couple of us went in different directions too. We didn't all Mm -hmm. choose the same thing. It wasn't like we were following each other. And I think that, because we hadn't played before, it allowed us to kind of See what other people's benefit was from, you know, choosing that skill mm-hmm. and seeing like, oh, I see how this could be useful or combining this skill with that skill, what that does.
2: There's a lot of thought into how you're going to build your pyramid yeah. because you can use the skills in multiple ways to build a pyramid taller or to switch out certain number of characters to bring mm-hmm. in other number of characters characters. And, and so you... You spend a lot of time thinking. Okay, I need to go to this region so I can get these Castellers to add them into my pool. But if I do that, I can't train the skill again. I need to train the skill, and I want to end up in this region because that's mm-hmm. what's scoring this turn. Mm-hmm. And,
3: and so it's a real brain buster
2: for me. Yeah, yeah,
3: it was. It was a lot of like push and pull, like just constant tension between. Where do I want to end up and how do I get there so that I can train what I need to pick up the the number of characters that I need and ultimately compete in the contest because what was the point if I do that? And sometimes you need to just kind of strategically not go somewhere. Like, mm. well, I can't I can't do the first two things I need to and compete there. So I'm going to look ahead to next turn or two turns down the line or whatever and play in that way to like, well, I'll, I'll give this one to Matt, but I'm going to try and win this next round in this next round
0: and to add like to all of that is this other like kind of reward token area that you mm-hmm. can go and do based on what mix of skills you already have and so it's like whoever gets there first Mm -hmm. and you know you pay this certain kind of um, token or whatever it is and you're able to you know get these extra victory points for the end of the game but you have to have the right mix of skills and we found at one point that none of us had really gone for one skill and like (laughs) half of the extra points were there and so we're like oh that's a whole nother part I have to keep in mind so as I'm getting these skills it's not just for my own pyramid but for all so these additional points and shapes of pyramids I have to build to get them. Because
1: there's basically two ways to score. The one is the local performances um, which is what Kevin was alluding to where there's basically specific requirements to score a specific number of points and the other way is putting on these festivals where starting from round three there's a festival in one or two locations that you have to get to and then you sort of then puzzle out through like your all your castellers and your abilities how you're gonna puzzle together your pyramid to try to score the highest and the the height of the pyramid scores you that many points and then every person who matches one of the numbers mm. for that festival scores points and then you also get the tote you get tokens for winning so it's points for winning and then you also get um for each number, so let's say it was twos and eights. If I have the most twos, I get the two. If I have the most eights, I get the
3: eight. And those are also worth points at the end of the game. And can I just talk about? I just wanted to go quickly and say, like, you can change your pyramid throughout this game. And the most fun part I had was just constantly moving, like, into different mm-hmm. configurations. And I'd look and be like, hmm, I really need to mo- maximize eights and twos. And so I'd, like, re, I'd take my pyramid apart and I'd rebuild it like I needed to go for only eights and twos. And then I'd look at that versus how I just had it, where it's just as tall mm-hmm. and try and count the points and I just it was like it's almost like playing with Legos and just yeah there's kind of something really fun about that, that you're not
0: stuck in one shape exactly. and that you're not, like some games so much like make you go down a path and mm-hmm. then that's what you're building yeah. on this did feel like between each festival I'm going to mix it up and have a new pyramid
2: well, I like that there were two festivals towards the later half of the game mm-hmm. and you could only compete in one each yep. round yeah and the number of people competing in the festival with you affected the number of points you got for winning that Mm, festival. That was kind of brilliant, by the way. That that, part was really neat. you're blowing out, like, let's say I have, like, it's clear I'm going to win in a particular festival with a crazy number of points, so no one's going there to compete, I'm really not getting that many points because I don't have the competition yeah. anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I like that. I thought it was a very that was interesting thing. Really
0: well, we should talk about the strategy a little bit about these festivals in general. Yes. That, that part of it is the competition and how points are given and also the numbers and knowing ahead of time, like kind of what to start when you have 10 rounds and you can see it mm-hmm. in front well, of that's you. That's
1: the big thing that I really didn't pay a lot of attention to that I wish I had is so each, each of these festivals, you're sort of scoring how many points you got for that festival And you don't get those points. But at the end of the game, whatever ended up being your highest scoring festival, you score the points for that. So it's like Colosseum, if folks have ever played Colosseum. Yeah. So you sort of, you want to sort of plan ahead and find a festival where you'll be able to score a lot of points on. And at the beginning of the game, you see which numbers are for which festival. And at the very last, I think, two rounds of the game, there's festivals that have three numbers on them, which mean three different types of Castellar score. So it's really smart which i totally didn't do but should (laughs) have done um to sort of look at those ahead of time and maybe build towards that set of three so that you can then put on a big performance it's your best it's your best chance to get the biggest Mm -hmm. you know
0: kind of spread but you
2: can't ignore the earlier festivals because those give you these tokens Mm -hmm. and so you score points on set collection so each region that you get a token in Counts towards set collection mm-hmm. points, and then in addition, for each number that you have, scores you points. You know, duplicates of the numbers don't score mm-hmm. you as many points. Right. So it encourages even diversifying in that respect as well.
0: I mean, I know it sounds like we're talking about like a ton of stuff, but it's really not nearly as complex as mm-hmm. I think all of this could be in a poorly designed game. This mm-hmm. game is tight. And I think all of that stuff just adds to kind of the excitement of it. And actually, Matt, to what you were saying earlier, like the kind of immersion or the kind of that fake feeling of like, oh, now I know how to make my own human pyramid. So... There is something about this that I think gives you a lot of that experience, somehow in game form.
3: And one thing that I think really adds to it not feeling overwhelming, even though there are a lot of... It's almost point salad, like where everything's worth some points, but you don't notice it because you're getting these things. You're getting tokens for doing what you do and winning or getting second or Mm -hmm. third or whatever, but you don't count the points till the end. So it kind of... Everyone has a little bit of... It hides the information, which is annoying to me from, like, the very competitive aspect. But I also liked that I didn't feel like I was being punished or I was super behind or anything. Uh, And at the end of the game, you just kind of count it up and see what happens. Well, part of that that's so fun is you're always building and getting better in this game. There's
1: no, like, you don't, like, lose your Castellers or spend them or anything. It's just, like, your troop is getting bigger and bigger. And and it's just... I just felt... You know, I talk a lot about immersion when we do... This game... (laughs) So mm-hmm. immersive. I just I felt like I'm like a troop of Castellers, and I'm going out, and we're recruiting people, and i are like, oh my gosh, you're really small. We need you like to be on the top of our tower. You know, like come what join us. What town do we go and to like, next? I like hear we can learn how to do this. Yeah, thing. let's head over there. there. There's there's lessons in in balance over there. We really mm-hmm. need to build up our balance so we can get taller. Because you know Larry's troop over there. He's he's got so much strength. Every Don't come time compete against me yeah. in Barcelona. Oh, oh I'm no. lock all down. his <laughs> sevens over there. There, well, not that that's thematic, but um, all his big. <laughs> Strong people are very strong and they're building tall towers so we gotta like train up what how can we like edge him out with some other new training technique it's just like oh it felt so thematic and Mm -hmm. it was almost immediate too like as soon as the first festival started Mm -hmm. there was this
0: feeling of like a troop of people traveling you're going you're gaining some and you go and you're planning for your big event Mm -hmm. you know there's something really nice about that i
2: mean this it's satisfying building that satisfying. it just is a nice experience and being able to you know, some games have mechanics that are satisfying to do, but you only do it maybe once or twice in the mm-hmm. game. Every round, you have the opportunity to kind of play with this pyramid yes. and kind mm-hmm. of work it and rework it. And I, I just found that so rewarding. Yes. So rewarding.
0: They figured out how to use the thing that would be the most appealing throughout the game. Yes. Yeah, that's what I think is really smart. Mm-hmm. But, like, we've talked about this, that it, it's not a light game. There's a lot yeah. of stuff mm-hmm. going on. It's simple things to do, but... Would you classify this as heavy? Yes.
2: I think this is I think it's it's deceptively it's heavy. It's
1: not heavy. Yeah. No, it's like medium. It's not
2: it's not a heavy economic game, but I do think this is a heavy game. Hmm. I don't think someone who is playing say Azul is going to have the the which I think is kind of a family mid game. I think
1: Azul is like a light game. Uh
2: I well, maybe, I don't know. I would put this on the heavier spectrum. Like personally. Would you
1: put this in with Twilight Imperium? Ooh.
2: So Twilight Imperium is a long game, and it's a political game, but I don't know that I would classify that as a heavy hmm. euro. This, yeah. is this to me, well, is this a is heavy a lot euro. of different
0: ways to get points. You're right. So yeah. you have to be a little bit more on it and paying this attention
2: like, to some things. For me, this is like food chain magnate in, in uh, terms of like heaviness.
1: Hmm. Ah, I, I, I feel like because the the turns are so simple and the skills are so straightforward, I feel like though there is like complexity there that it's actually easy to get into.
3: Yes, and that's actually what I want to talk about was like, I think this game is perfect for your friend who doesn't love heavy games, like tricking them into it. Oh, you could totally trick them with this. Exactly. No, like I'm thinking to one specific friend of mine who glazes (laughs) over after five minutes of, you know, explaining the rules. And I bet that I could get him to play this game and inadvertently play a game that's very point salad. very, Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot to pay attention to. Because at the end of the day, the early things don't punish you nearly as much as they Mm -hmm. could. You're not locked into building your pyramid in one certain way so let you know so you messed up round one you have plenty of time to improve on that score the first score might not even matter that much in the game other than a point or two sure. it's like and as long as they figure it out by the end of the game they'll do fine they might not win but they'll have a good time they'll certainly enjoy just moving the the the, the tower around and making it better and that's just a very simple goal is like improve your tower however you need to do mm-hmm. that and that's it's a very broad so It's goal. just so fun. And there's so yeah. much
1: personality, yeah. too. A lot of like personality. Like you were saying, I'm like, oh, look, Matt had the funny like square one where <laughs> mine's just a big square. And then Larry's is really like tall and narrow. Mm-hmm. And it's
2: like. Well, there was even beyond that, it was like, oh, I'm looking over to see how did Matt build his tower there? All uh-huh. right. Yeah. How, I'm going to steal okay, his yes. skill <laughs> things to be able to kind of build mine now <laughs> in the same way and get taller. Yeah. So there's, there's I this total espionage. Kind of
1: At first, I was like, <laughs> strength? That sounds like, all right, whatever. And then Larry's got two points of strength, and his tower's <laughs> like, push, push and I'm like i'm gonna go train some strength now
0: <laughs> yeah um,
1: there was so much of that
0: I think of like even interaction that feels thematic, yes. right
1: because you go into a competition you're like mm-hmm. oh, we got in second place guys oh Larry with his great <laughs> strong team we gotta go train that up uh yeah and that was so throughout fun. I
0: think it works throughout so we're saying all these good things about it was there anything you didn't
1: like about the game i will I will say going maybe going along a little bit with larry's thing that, that it's heavy I think that there's a lot to keep track of in terms of how the abilities interact and how to build your pyramid. And there was definitely a lot of feeling like, am I building this right? Or like if I have a base, but I also have width and I have a mix well, and like, how do I combine Funny them enough, Didn't we
0: all though, like end up pretty much at the same height? With our pyramids at the end, like we were all we about did. the same. All yeah. relatively close. Yeah, we
2: were close. Mm-hmm. I liked when we would go to a competition. People would walk through how they were able to build it. Mm-hmm. I just that was fun. You know, it was a nice check to make sure you were doing it correctly. But sure. it was also just kind of a nice like explanation about how you got there, and like almost mm-hmm. like a little bragging thing. Yes. I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I, I I could see that. Yeah. For me, the the one thing that I didn't particularly like about the game is I found while I really liked the colors and the color palette. I think some of the colors in the game are too similar to each other mm. and kind of make it hard to distinguish sometimes. The lavender
0: and the pink are close, even though they're, they're I think, location-wise not next to each other. Right. But when you're on one or you see the wheel that's pointing to a certain color, it can be like, oh, wait, which mm-hmm. one of those two is that? Yeah. I could see that a little I bit. They, they
2: I, have it. sorry, Nick. They have the, the names on there, yeah. so you can dial them apart. It's not like... A huge issue, but it's it's something I would have
3: fixed. I went to the names right away and it solved my, my color confusion problem. I yes. didn't feel Oracle of Delphi like this is a huge problem, even though I see that it could be almost that, but I always, like, I would notice that, you know, I couldn't really tell these apart and then go glance at something else. Yeah,
0: you're right. If Just stick to the names and then you're going to be fine. Occasionally,
1: that. The, uh, I would occasionally get screwed up on it, but it, it wasn't terrible.
0: Okay, so we talked ahead of time about this, Larry. You said you would have loved to maybe had some danger no. that your pyramid could fall.
1: <laughs> no. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I was being kind of uh, sarcastic, <laughs> but not at the same time. Because we do this great job of this like wonderful thematic, like building, you know, this castell, but for me part of the fun is like, are they gonna fall? Is it gonna survive? Were you gonna like and showgirl
0: somebody else and throw some marbles on the floor, and see what happens? Maybe part <laughs> of the fun.
1: No. More like part of the terror. Exactly. Also, yeah. like,
2: you go watch yeah. you, you go watch like I don't know. You watch cars race around a track, not because it's fun to watch them race around the track, because you're wondering, like, ooh, are they going to,
1: like, have a crazy accident or something So like you that. watch cars race around tracks? I just, no, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, neither do I. But, I mean, there's something different I'm about a sure metal item sure people love it.
0: versus, like, seeing a small child, like, unbalance and fall. Well, they're fall not
2: going to get hurt. Up. There's, like, a human, like, blanket tarp underneath it is. that. I will say okay, that that we did is see that.
1: Cool. It was kind of interesting. Part of why they have this big, like, everybody's you know, surrounding like is a, so that when you fall, you, like, fall on somebody's it's, head, it's and like it's no problem. It's like crowd surfing.
3: This is just describing my nightmare, that they're, <laughs> I'm up somewhere high, and then I fall, and I fall into, like, this creepy sea of arms. It's so gross. <laughs> and like, they just carry we, you away. We oh. Yeah, exactly. We watched this video. I couldn't even watch the fail video. I had to, like, turn away and go into a different room. because I am glad so there terrifying. is no fail mechanic, because <laughs> I don't think the part of Castelling that we want to simulate is
1: the following well
0: and i don't think people fail too much at this actually it looks no. like it's a real like they're they know what they're doing yeah so
1: i mean you got to be pretty safe if you're sending like your kids up there to go to the top so i, I like <laughs> that all, right? i like all that the kids all of had our helmets
3: diets. they do have helmets oh <laughs> Thankfully, I like that all of our people were very well trained and stayed on top of the tower where they're safe.
0: We are (laughs) professionals, you know, so that's how it's going to go. So we're at that time. I think it's we've talked about this a lot. And um, obviously people get a a, a general sense of how we feel. But it is time for our how we feel like it, love it, pass on this game. I mean, let's start with you, Lar.
2: I like it. I I like it a lot. I don't know that I would say I love it, um, but I like it. I played again. Definitely a game I'm glad I have in my collection.
3: Okay, Nick? I love it. I don't know if I'll add it to my collection, because I don't always have the most time to play games as it is. Uh, So as it turns out, my collection is kind of appropriately sized for that. Uh, But I do love this game. I was saying before the episode, like, "Eh, maybe we should just play, like, again to make sure. (laughs) Because I would love to just keep playing this game. Um, It's... is very immersive, which is rare to get me into that mode because uh, I don't normally pay that much attention to anything but the mechanics and how the game actually plays out. But it felt fun. It captured that play with Lego style that I remember from being six in a game where I could be competitive and earn a lot of points. So
1: what about you, Matt? I love
0: it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um Yeah, I, I just it's one of the most immersive games I've played. I feel like rarely have I played a game where I feel like I've just like, understand now and not that I you know I'm not, still not an expert but um, <laughs> i still want you to run outside and like I'm start trying, trying to form a to human like pyramid I'm to claim that I know everything about Gaston because I for sure <laughs> don't but I feel like I understand it is this which like, is so is this important like when you to come me? out of the
3: action movie and you like think you're a ninja now or you think <laughs> you're a pirate <laughs> yes, totally. let's go do this uh, yes. but it's so immersive
1: uh, it's interesting I mean I love uh, almost all of Renegades games this is definitely one of their heavier ones but I yeah. like that they're tackling a meaty game because even though it has a lot of depth and some complexity to it, it's still very simple in the actions and easy to learn. And I really like that.
0: Yeah, I have to agree. Um, and I would say, for me, I love it. Um, I knew as soon as we were playing it and figuring it out and the mm-hmm. explaining you know, each other's towers to each other, that I was like, I want to try it again. Like, and as soon as I feel like that, I know there's something really interesting here. Mm-hmm. And I agree, the immersion, there is almost a f- feeling of the celebration and the festival going on as you're playing it. Yeah. And so, like the Serenity from Photosynthesis for me, or the real, you know, just immersion that I got from Spirit Island, this is another one that I would have to say gets to that level for me, and I, I, I love it. So... I think that's pretty good around the board, you know. Good
1: job, Renegade. Um, let's we, go do. Let's go make. Let's go do yeah, it. Now we, we go do it. Do it. Here, Work. quick. Be right back. No. <laughs> be no. right back. I'll get on. Your,
0: I'll be at the very top. <laughs> okay, that, that's it. <laughs> we'll put Nick at the top. No, <laughs> <you won't. laughs> nightmare come true. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that is our discussion on Castell. and now we'll go on to the next feature.
1: For our second segment today, we are going to be joined by Gordon Bellamy, Lifetime Achievement Award-winning VR game specialist and all sorts of other amazing titles. Introduce yourself, Gordon.
4: Hey, everybody. Um, I'm Gordon, and thank you for having me. Uh, Great to be here with you, Larry, you, Nick, you, Matthew, in this new studio thank you very <laughs> beautiful um yeah spent my lifetime in games um i actually got started in video games conventional uh designing a game called madden football back in the day but i actually started you might have heard of it <laughs> <It's fair. laughs> Foot football yeah. but I, I started off playing board games right like that's how i actually started so so as a child like everything from life head of the class star wars board game that's actually where i began to you know identify as a gamer like Someone I am versus something I do for a living. So it's really great to be here. So Matthew said something about a Lifetime Achievement Award. What is this? Okay, so I was honored at the Game Developers Conference in San Francisco um, in March for my 25 years of contribution to our craft. Um, I've done a few things. and I've had a good fortune to be in some places. You, you've
2: like been embedded into video games, like have
4: characters in video games and stuff. Isn't that right? I, I, <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, I do have some characters in games, and that's, that's cool also. Um, And fun to get to be myself. I'll tell you about one, which is sort of fun. Um, So I'm in this game, Read Only Memories, which is now on mobile and PC and ever. And in the game, uh, which is in Neo San Francisco in the future, I run a bar called Pub Crawl. And um, so it's about a world where being robotic is part of diversity. Mm -hmm. And so I want to celebrate diversity in my bar. So um, to have equality, there's no scene. So in my bar, you actually come in on your hands and knees through a doggy door. (laughs) You see? So you can't be so much of a poser, right, on your hands and knees coming to the bar. And then every station in the bar is a different kind of bar. So it's like a leather station, like a sportsy station, like an Irish station, you know, cocktail station, because it's a pub crawl. Literally a crawl. (laughs) (laughs) Literal crawl. You see what I did there? Wonderful. Exactly. So yeah, so I'm in a game. This is true. Multiple games. Multiple games.
2: Well, fantastic. So that that certainly makes you qualify to talk about what we want to talk about here today, which is... VR, board games, and the new frontier, as it were.
4: Sure, yeah, I'm very active in VR. I guess I see why I got an award now, yeah, so VR. Um, So I'm actually advising a company called The Wave VR, and that's a social platform on the Vive and Oculus and MXR for people who love music in VR. We just did the Ready Player One disco, and um, I chair the VRX conference, which is like the largest conference for VR in America. So yeah, I guess yeah, VR. Let's talk about VR and board games. I Absolutely. love board games.
2: So so I don't know if you saw recently, but but we saw that there was uh, a, a news that they're working on Settlers of Catan VR. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, which sounds super exciting. Yes. And uh, what are your thoughts? I mean, is it is translating board games into a virtual reality platform viable? Is it, is it, does it bring the same experiences that you
4: think a, a
2: normal board gaming would bring?
4: Ah, well, one, normal board gaming is perfect. So let's not try to compete with that because <laughs> board games are board games. However, something which is a unique experience for people who don't have the opportunity to be with friends all the time mm-hmm. is being co-located in VR. And it's different than playing an online game. It's different than playing Why? Warcraft or Final Fantasy. Ah. Because you can read body language, that is probably the biggest difference of engagement. It isn't just the pieces and parts. Like when you play Catan, it isn't just the land. It's a negotiation. It's a negotiation. It's the, engage- it's negotiation. Right, it's right. the engagement with people. It's- and that's something that happens differently um, when you're able to be around them in 3D. Even mm-hmm. different than watching them on an iPad. It's mm-hmm. just a different feeling.
2: So it's it's more about kind of creating that physical presence almost, but being able to kind of see, even if it's an avatar of somebody, that full sensory immersion kind of creates that feeling. Yeah,
4: you'd be amazed. I mean, I think if you've ever been to like a, a convention, mm-hmm. okay, and there's just a difference between having your favorite game and that feeling of connecting mm-hmm. with someone mm-hmm. and being like, we are going to be in this together. Like, let's learn a game together, right? Like that feeling. You can do that in VR in a way that is... Um, it's palpable. It's, yeah. it's, it's authentic.
2: So when I think of VR, I think of that old, um, I don't know if you remember, this was like a PlayStation game where there was like a camera that kind of looked down on a field and you would play cards out and they would like battle each other or something like that.
4: Okay. It, well, it, it, so it seems
2: to me kind of hokey.
4: Oh, no, for sure. Well, I think part of the evolution of VR has been um, from authorship to service. And by that, I mean, it used to be very much, look what I can do. Like, here, let's go to the top of a mountain, right? Let's go to outer space, or let's go on a roller coaster, or what you're describing. Look, we can simulate these pieces from a camera in the sky. Now it's moving more towards service, right? And How can you help people have a better day, right? And I think that's something that, like, board games are going to do. What's great about board games, right, is that because people know the rules, right, even for new games, there's sort of like an intrinsic rule set that people build from, Mm -hmm. they're able to come in and trust and really play in VR. Because they aren't lost, if that makes any sense, right? They're able to draw on their past experiences and be like, Mm -hmm. okay, I basically get how resources work and turns and cards, I get it, now let's play together. Um, It's not like um, an old video game, where you're like, oh, what do the buttons do? Mm -hmm. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Am I able to do what I'm thinking Mm -hmm. fast enough in order to be not a failure, right? And so I think, there's a unique opportunity for video for for board games specifically to serve people. Do, how, how do you you lose something with
2: the? Um, is it you? Are you, you? Yes, <laughs> I'm, I'm that happy
4: to be here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that loud that happy. loud pout, I, pout, I was my dog. You, I was freaking you out. Can't, saying, you can't see at home, but we are on the most beautiful gaming table. Like it is. It is like virtual reality, it's that good where we are actually having this podcast right now.
2: So, But, 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 but it's interesting that you kind of mentioned the gaming table, because what I was, was going to ask you about is, is there something about the tangible element, about holding cards, about touching cards, about dealing cards, that gets lost in VR, right?
4: Oh, absolutely.
2: So, so uh, how, how do you incorporate that element in, or do you just say, that's
4: not part of what VR is? I, I think, i just it, well, sort of re- repeat, I mean, board games are perfect, we don't need to compete with that. Like that, board games Mm -hmm. work, right? um, I think that what VR will enable people to do is connect in some of the ways Mm -hmm. that we do connect when we get together to play board games. And it's different than just the strategy, it's the feeling, right? And I think that that, Mm -hmm. for me as a board gamer, that matters there's just a I don't know there's a difference just some, sometimes it matters I really yeah I really think that's true
1: because there's you can already play board games online there's a lot mm-hmm. of different play, ways to play it online but I feel like the feeling of playing a board game online is so different than playing it in person because there's no like you don't see I don't when I play you know Settlers of Catan online I don't see anybody I'm playing against it's more just that they're like AIs that happen to be controlled by other players like I don't You don't interface with them. And I never really... I wouldn't have thought of, like, co-presence or co-location or whatever you want to call it. I never thought that that would be such a big deal until I tried a VR program, um, Rec Room, uh, with Gordon, where in that program we weren't playing board games. We were just, like, walking around and chatting and you could, like, play ping pong and, like, write on a whiteboard with people. And it just... It seems so simple, but the feeling of mm-hmm. actually being present with other people in a virtual location is an entirely different experience. Wait,
3: go I was just going to say, I think that it matters a lot for strategy too. Like as you were talking about this, I just it, it dawned on me that I've kind of had this experience recently with what you were talking about, Matt, um, in Magic, where on Magic Online it's very mechanical. Like I do not really care. Um, who's on the other side of the screen, Mm -hmm. um, I am playing sort of in a very mechanically optimal way, Mm -hmm. but I'm not going to necessarily deviate that based on who's on the other side of the screen because I don't know what this random name means or who they are or how they would play or anything like that. Whereas in a tournament just very recently, the way that somebody asked a question made me think that they were going to do something very bad. And so I kind of changed like on the fly... How I would do something like, and just did something that I think would actually be a very suboptimal play, because I thought that I could get them to waste a resource, and they did, and then it didn't, you know they ended up basically just discarding the card, and I would never get that online, but like just having that little bit of feedback with like body language and where they're, you know suddenly they 're very interested in something that should be very trivial it 's like oh they don 't realize, and I was able to play around that. No, I, I just thought that that's... I, I think that that's really cool that VR could be a halfway point where, like, obviously you're never going to have exactly the same thing as in person, but you don't have to. Sure.
2: How, how do you envision this kind of working out? I mean, is it ultimately being a a, a separate purchase to a game or is it kind of like, a you know, like a, there's a code and then you can kind of download and, and kind of play it and when you buy a board game, I mean... You mean how do they monetize?
4: Yeah. Uh, it's an interesting question. I think that... Um, so online experiences, or, or like conventions, right? Think about it a great example. Um, there's a number of ways you can get people to pay, right? You can pay at the door, mm-hmm. right? Or you can get them to pay for the time they spend playing the game, mm-hmm. right? For a good experience. Mm-hmm. My hope, right, is that you want as many people as possible playing, right? And you have the friction as low as possible. To people coming in and playing the games so they can then build experiences that actually have value, right? Because it's the, the, that, that's my hope. But I think some people need to make money. They'll be like, oh, pay. 19 99 or 10 to get in the door. But I think people yeah, who make the most – it's like video games today, right? Most games or mini games that we play, we get them for free, right? And then – Microtransactions. And then we- well, well that uh, can be a positive. It's only, un- it's only negative if you don't feel it's fair, right? It's not bringing you more joy, right? right. Like if it feels not consensual, then it's like, ah, but it feels like, oh, I'm gonna- Building something here, or I'm connecting closer to people. Mm-hmm. For me, at least, then I mm-hmm. go pretty, pretty cool. And I think that for the most part, people want to connect. I mean, to get a little, a little deeper. So for me, games, right? Like one of the reasons that I love games because I'm gay, 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 gay right? Mm-hmm. And so um, when you're gay, you're often top. There'll be a different set of rules as you navigate through life, mm-hmm. and you need to navigate them, right? Will you hold hands? Will you get a job? Will you keep your house? All the good things. But games have a rule set, which are very fair, that we all share. And then that's a launching pad Mm -hmm. for us to actually play together. We all reach this consensus. We are going to play by this set of rules. Everyone agrees. Now go. Right? And one that's going to be more exciting about being in VR is that you have the opportunity to just be even more of yourself. Like more expressive, more Connected, more mm-hmm. accountable, even to each other.
2: What kind of obligations do you think that people who design VR platforms or or games or whatever it might be sure. have to kind of monitor it to provide safe spaces for folks? Oh no, know, no, for sure. I, you think... know, I play in a game of solitaire, catan, and there's a voice chat element where I'm kind of negotiating with people, and my voice sounds effeminate, so I'm getting kind of mocked or teased by some random other players on the other side. Like, what obligation do the publishers of these games have to kind of to, to look into that or to,
4: to... to It's super important. I think, I mean, I've read Will Hunt's article mm-hmm. about um, gay voice and identity and, and super, like, awesome and powerful and, I think, resonant, um, something that, you know, people navigate, I'll even call it just different voice, queer voice. We're all queer to each other in different ways, whether it be, like, orientation or identity or just expression, right? Mm-hmm. We're all queer. And I think that everyone, once again, wants to go into places where You know, there's sort of implicitly, we are going to treat each other even better than civilly, right? We're not going to act like the worst, like the minimum of us, right? That we're going to hopefully, you know, act from the best of us and heck, maybe want to play again, right? Like, not just determine a winner of the game, but actually be like, oh, let's, you know, run it back. And I think that that's going to be something which is going to be the responsibility not only of the creators of the content, but of the people in the community, Mm -hmm. right? Like, at some level, people in the community have to be accountable for the community. They want to be in, right? Mm -hmm. You can't be like, "Ah, you know, I can't believe you gave me the stick at Disneyland. You knew (laughs) I was going to swing the stick. You knew when you gave it to me, right? That's what I was going to do. Like, there's a a shared responsibility um, to give people tools and encouragement to be their best selves, be their best selves. So, that
2: seems like a very, and maybe I'm a pessimistic person being a lawyer, but but that seems like a very optimistic. Uh, uh outlook you know i mean take league of legends for example sure. right? they're they're kind of player bases i think known for not being very friendly um and for being relatively aggressive in terms of uh, poor social interaction with each other mm-hmm. i mean so kind of leaving um these kind of social monitoring to people i think n- will ultimately devolve to people's kind of Basest values to our, to our lowest common denominator,
4: which isn't well, going to be very high, well, in my opinion. Well, let's talk about that for a second. I think that, that okay, we'll talk about we'll lead lots of games. So the aesthetic, <laughs> right? So the aesthetic of that game um, of the fun is competition mm-hmm. and conquering. That is the game. Like if you strip away, if you were a bot mm-hmm. playing the game, like that is your sort of core value. And so you can't help but think that you're going to cultivate discourse that aligns with the values of the game that you create and the intentions of fun, right? And so I think you're right. Um, communities will reflect the values of the games which you are playing, right? I'd argue there's not going to be a big fight if you have a patty cake tournament. There just isn't, no matter how <laughs> long or how serious, right? So because the aesthetic of fun is something which is different. So I think you're absolutely right. I think, yeah, if you have a, a super aggressive I must, it can only be one zero-sum game. Well, -hmm. then there's going to be some zero-sum conversations to drive those results. Um, Especially if that's the, if that is the true win state, right? If being friends Mm -hmm. or social things are not actually part of the win state, then yeah, that's sort of what you've designed to happen. Um, Hopefully, there will be a wide range of games where collaboration, you know, where social values, where some of the positive traits you hope to see Mm -hmm. happen are Part of the game, and also part of the worlds, and part of the win states, and then people will build on those.
1: Well, it's interesting too because I feel like the that interact that, that like co-presence. I feel like that has the potential to really foster positive connections with mm-hmm. people. Um, an example I think of is like when you're driving, and when you don't think of the people in the other cars as people, it's very easy to get like upset and mad, and you're just like, "This car is in my way. They're doing things I don't like." But then, like, whenever I'm, you know, having a problem or whatever and you, like, wave at somebody and suddenly, like, they're really nice to you and they, like, let you in. And it's just, like, the fact that you're actually, like, engaging with them, suddenly mm-hmm. they have to face the fact that, like, you're not just a thing, you're a, a human. And I feel like maybe VR can foster that.
2: I don't know, or is that a product more of you just being the nice guy first by kind of waving and kind of showing that you're not going to be a dick and just kind of cut someone in or force your way in you're kind of extending the courtesy the friendship to them and they're responding in kind, kind. You are a kind you're a kind, kind person
4: that's exactly right <laughs> Well, I wanted to sort of build on what Matt saying a bit though is that I think that today um, my perception is that many people actually meet each other digitally okay, mm-hmm. and they meet each other with the least amount of information possible it's it's sort of reductive and reductive to the value of people because it's easy to discard interactions mm-hmm. with people you've discovered very quickly and easily block block, block. Mm-hmm. you can, which, which i'm a little older that doesn't actually didn't exist you couldn't just block someone, <laughs> someone so and you know life. they will not be they'll be inaccessible right if you met them at the grocery store you met them it, mm-hmm. it happened <laughs> and the public record and of uh, And so I think that VR interactions, like meeting someone even online, right? Along sort of a gradient, right? From meeting them in person, right? I think it's somewhere on that that Mm -hmm. gradient of meeting them in VR to meeting them online to meeting them like purely as data, as, you know, player six, seven, four in the digital person (laughs) game. Like somewhere (laughs) on that slider bar moves you closer to humanity and closer to treating them well. And I think it's easier to find things in common with people when you have more information and ways to connect. Just like I see you now and be like, I don't know you, but I love that t-shirt. Right? Mm -hmm. I love, I love, this whole thing? Yes, I love Mm -hmm. I love Sam also, right, Mm. let's be better to each other. Right? Um, And so, I'm hoping, right, that that VR will be a part of that and a part of people seeing more similarities because maybe, like what Matthew was saying, it's, it's harder to be dismissive to people with whom you've identified something you have in common. Like, we're in the traffic together, not you're a car in my way. Mm -hmm. How does
2: the co-location, though, still do that? Because I look at you and all I see is a bunny, you know, or I see some, like, uh, avatar that really doesn't show any kind of facial expression. All it it has is just hands that kind of move. I mean, how does...
1: If you haven't experienced it, you haven't experienced it. I have experienced it. You, you did, yeah. Interesting, because I, because when I was talking with people and like drawing with them and playing ping pong with them, I like obviously, yeah, I don't see their facial expressions and things like that, but I hear it through their voice and I just feel it. So to me, it was definitely very different. I couldn't imagine like being a jerk to somebody through that channel.
2: Well, You're just generally a nice person, <laughs> but but I, I mean, I could see if I'm, I could see people. Playing an aggressive game, <laughs> yes. you know, sure. talking shit, you know, during a game. For sure. And, and I think your point is well taken about, you know, if you play an aggressive game, you're fostering kind of that aggressive culture. It's different than playing maybe kind of a more strategic Euro where that's not, I think, the, mm-hmm. the, the kind of the meta
4: game that kind yeah. of goes along with that. I, I think um, sort of go back to your, your bunny case. And of course, we'd both be bunnies, because you know, you wouldn't be. I mean, bunny on bunny crime is not happening. All bunnies do is well, bunny. But my my point. What's exciting about VR is actually once again that this goes back to being gay or maybe I'm black. Like it strips away some of the trappings and some of the biases that you come into things with, and gives you an opportunity to be maybe more than your best self, maybe more than your worst self, but you at least have an opportunity. Right to not come in with the bad day not to come in with the I'm not enough coming into the interaction um, so it, I found also like, like that I find online in these settings so far I tend to give people the, the benefit of the doubt and that might be also part of being early VR people haven't created mm-hmm. sort of class structure right mm-hmm. like there is no one yet who's like I got all the gold I'm the golden bunny you aren't even a silver bunny, right, Right? yet, because I think that separation yeah. will just create what you're talking about, yeah. right, like, I'm, I'm not feeling you, let me be aggro, because you're not a right, Right? you're not a you're, bunny, why are you so bunny,
2: yeah. right? You haven't gotten up to the fox level yet, yeah. like, you're just a silly bunny. it's
4: all about the fox level, and I'm saying, yeah. right now, I'm very pro-fox, so if there's a fox <laughs> level, that is actually a level I will go to, and I will actually stratify at but, the box level.
2: but you, I mean, you could still, even if there's not truly levels, right? You could still see that happening with like, okay, people who are furries tend to pick this character as their kind of uh, thing, and, and people who, you know, are this, the straight kind of dude bros tend to pick kind of this thing as their avatar, and you know, women tend to pick dude this bros thing or gay
4: bros. If you're out there, gay bros, we hear you. You exist you're yeah sure careful. yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: And, and who knows they may pick something totally different as well but
4: yeah. my point is i mean you, you you still have that are we talking about game theory. are we, are we getting super wonk okay let's talk about Bartle types okay so it's actually healthy that this exists so Bartle types everyone at home look at richard bartle um four basic player types uh which are socializers right achiever with uh-huh. so me? you're with me sorry okay um killers um And um, Explorers. Mm -hmm. And in order to have a healthy ecosystem of players, you actually need all four types. The example that always comes to mind for me was Pokemon Go. Did everyone play Pokemon Go? Of course. Yeah, literally
1: everyone. Actually
4: everyone played Pokemon
3: Go.
4: Okay, good. Let's talk about Pokemon Go. Pokemon Go was a very interesting example of barbell Types for me. Here's why. Um, Because three of the types existed in the game. Uh, so there were explorers you knew them uh-huh. right they would tell you where everything was blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. there were socializers oh my god let's go to the park on sunday at 2 p.m it's gonna be the best everyone doing There were achievers there still are i've got level 200 i own this area uh-huh. the killers however were online they were in your facebook feed they're posting all these articles you're gonna fall in a hole you're gonna get arrested Did you hear, you know, the FBI says, if you play Pokemon Go on a Sunday, you know, all these bad things are going to happen to you. And they were like a very passionate part of the community when Pokemon Go launched, right? at least in my field. However, nothing bad really happened. No one fell in the ocean. No one really got like, you know, eviscerated. No one, nothing really bad happened. And the killers got bored. And for me, that was actually the end of it in the feed, because sort of the social economy of the game got like out of kilter, and then it suddenly wasn't so cool, or even a little bit dangerous, or yeah, it was necessary, it wasn't as much at stake mm-hmm. to play Pokemon Go. It wasn't as big a deal to sort of let people know on your social feed that you had made a new achievement, or that you were playing right now. So, so s-
2: when you say, when you, sorry, Matt, sorry. to cut you no. off here, no. but no. when you say killer, so that's kind of like the the competitive people. Mm. Like,
4: it is people who want to impact other people. Um, like the PVP, PvP like that. So people who stay at spawn points and go, oh, you're <laughs> at spawn point. Welcome <laughs> to a spawn point. <laughs> <laughs> right? And there's, there's actually multiple types of killers. So um, you ever play EVE Online?
3: I have oh, not. I've read so many I've, I've never, never played, played it. it no okay. no. I've read a book. Well, I've so Okay,
4: you know what? As board gamers, you'll appreciate this. Okay? There's some people who want to kill you right now. They just want to roll all sixes and kill you. There's other people who want to plan. All day. (laughs) And they're just weaving a beautiful tapestry the whole time. Oh, when that all falls apart, it's gonna be so beautiful to see it all fall apart for you. Also killers, right? And what they're really about is how they can act on people, right? Mm -hmm. To drive a result in the game. Right? They're trying to act on the world, really. They're like like they're like, I beat this game, I got the highest score ever. You know, it's not that vibe. It's a, like I have controlled people in such a way as to drive this result, and it's delightful.
2: So, do you think that those four kind of archetypes yes. transfer into a VR board game experience?
4: Absolutely. Well, no board game community, okay? Right. If you're gonna have a healthy community mm-hmm. around a game, I think it, it absolutely will, and absolutely does. We're also pro dog. We hear you. <laughs> That's Shazam, by the way. Shazam. There you go, acknowledged. Um, yeah, so absolutely, I think that's what's going to be interesting. And that's the difference. Um, you, ex- you, you hold a board game night, right? And you give awards actually to people. I do. You actually celebrate at this the end contract. of the year, and it isn't because they're the best in board games. It isn't. Easy. It is the vibe. They bring a vibe that there is something at stake. Right? With each turn, and each roll of the dice, and they are not going to be. They are not bringing you candy and cake and cookies. <laughs> They're about that life, right? And that's a valuable part of a healthy community. And when you lose that, or lose any of the touch, right? If no one wants to be the king and queen of Board Game night, right? Well then, ah.
2: I got more it than king and queen, though. I mean, you know, I've got the perfect attendance guy, yes. and the you know the biggest loser, and social the social butterfly, the social butterfly, yeah, the social two fly. years running. Yes. Gordon, movie. Exactly. Exactly. me, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well,
4: right? No, but it's so right. So for me, right with board game night. We can talk about board. Is that board? Board. Oh, I, don't, I don't know your privacy. So <laughs> board, on board, game you know, yes, the social butterfly for me. One of the greatest joys was this fantastic community of people who treat each other well and love board games. And if you love them, you can be yourself. Right. Like it's not like what you're wearing, where you're from, what your job. If you were just a good person who's just willing to come and play, right? What a welcoming community. So for me, what's a bigger life excitement? Like I met Ch- Chandler. You're amazing, hey Chandler. I'm talking to you. Board game night, right? Boom. To see it happen for me, that's the win. Like the game is already won. Like what games are we playing? We want to play hard game, easy game, right? <laughs> I Just want to be. You know, involved.
2: So you're the socializer.
4: I'm I'm a socializer primarily. Now, don't get me wrong, we play the three rooms and a boom, I'm actually killed. Everyone evolves, right? I'm all like, oh my gosh, I lied to all of you. I've already started lying. Someone says, you pull the cards out. There's nothing on my mind (laughs) but deception.
2: (laughs) Which is true as well. Gordon is vicious in in two rooms and a boom. And
4: so people are fluid, right? People go through different ways of expressing themselves as gamers. But the point being, that, like, as a community, if you want something to thrive, you need them all, mm-hmm. in my opinion.
2: Interesting. Very, very interesting. And, awesome. And, and it's, it'll be interesting to see how the board game community evolves in a VR space with that in mind. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's, it's fascinating to kind of hear this kind of tech side and trying to marry it to the board game world. hmm you
4: know. And this idea of sort of healthy toxicity, right? Like this idea of you know, like a, like it's almost more of an immunization, it's not trying to kill you, it's more that you've got right? You've got to care. you've got to care. Mm-hmm. Someone's gotta care. If no one cares, right?
2: So if, if 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 people wanted to kind of start to make that jump into sure. VR and potentially VR board games, okay. what would you what advice, what recommendations
4: would you give to them? They want to make the jump into VR board games. We'll First. Or just VR in Lo- general? No, no. Well, first, love board games because you won't love them anymore once you get there if you don't love them in your heart. Right, would be number one, <laughs> right? And um, and that's got to be okay uh, for VR board games. I would definitely, you know, what I would actually do. The wireless systems are coming, so that's going to be the biggest difference. Sorry, mm-hmm. for people who are VR at home, the biggest difference is today um, they're they're tethered to computers for the most part. Okay. And like 99 out of 100 of your friends who have the system are tethered to a computer. And I strongly feel that once they are untethered, that's going to really change interaction. Mm-hmm.
2: Is that like in six months or like six years?
4: Oh, they're, coming up, they're coming next year. Like They're coming now. They're, they're announced. Like the, the, the wireless ones, like the wireless vibe is coming. The, wireless, the Oculus, they're coming. So um, in a year, like in next year, by holiday, start shopping. And it's going to be super amazing because then you'll be able to bring friends in. And the same way that like... Um gosh, I'm trying to give an example. Texting. Okay, so I didn't think texting was gonna catch on. Who's gonna type on their phone? <laughs> right? Until for me the breakthrough for texting, sorry to go down this path, but this is true, was American Idol. Because they could vote with texting. <laughs> and I wanted to vote for Kelly. I wanted her to win. I was right, Kelly Clarkson's a superstar. But the point being that um Having the experience uh, be as easy as possible for people to have their first positive experience mm-hmm. is going to be a critical part of the process. I think right now, a lot of the energy is put into the wiring and showing people it works. It's almost more for some people like being in the laboratory, and you've got the right. lab guy who's like, I'm going to make it work, come see the virtual reality, right? Versus something that's very easy to do. And accessible to people, Mm -hmm. Um, like a board game, right? Mm -hmm. There's some board games where there's like a lot of setup, and you gotta read the rules for 40 minutes, or you just don't get it, Mm -hmm. right? And that's not a great way to onboard people to board games, right? 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 You want to get people playing and having the fun. Then you add rules, and you go, you know what? Even if you like this, you know, you might really love, you know, Mm -hmm. you you bring them along. Mm -hmm. I think the same thing needs to happen with the VR experience, not just in VR, Mm -hmm. but getting into VR. Mm -hmm. Um, something's gonna be a lot of fun for you by the way if you've done the void the star wars thing we should do this four person thing by the Mm -hmm. way it's here in town like the star wars the void they do a really great onboarding experience like you get in it and you're in it and you are pew 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 pew. it's really fun and it gives like a glimpse into how quickly you can get people into who've never been in vr into a positive vr experience i think a lot of people are going to learn from that sorry
2: that's that's it's amazing um it, that's the one, too, where you can, like, actually feel things in there, right? You're, in a, you're, yeah, actually in a, you're actually in a setting. You're right? in a
4: set, and so... Okay, so the, the magic... Some of the magic of the void. One, you can see your fingers for the first time, but you're, Individual you Individual fingers? Yeah, yeah, and you can see each other. That's yeah. the thing. Is you're, it's like oh, this. Oh, oh yeah. And that is the feeling, right? Oh, And it's so set-dressed well, so as you go through a room, some of the things are physical. So, you, like, when you're up against a hallway, you can touch the wall, mm-hmm. or there'll be like R2-D2, and there's an R2-D2, and you're like, it's, it's a physical prop mm-hmm. as well. So they've, they sort of mix the media to make it fun, and they, they've yeah. done a really good job of like adding locomotion and collab. It's huh. very well crafted as experience. My point being that um, bringing that to life in a board game experience where you, for the most part, know where people are, could be really fun. But also, moving games, like Three Rooms and a Boom, or other you know variations on that. Could also be really powerful to sort of play, mm-hmm. you know, but you're actually in the White House and you're actually outside, like just as sets, right. as sets to bring these things like just next level.
1: It, it sounds like... I just still a, got a board
4: game. Is that okay? Is that in play?
1: Yeah, board, mm-hmm. tabletop game. Tabletop game, gotcha. Even though that's not on a table, but...
4: Yeah. But, you know, but you know it when you feel it, right? Yeah. It's, like, it's on the board of the playground, but John? you're not playing kickball. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, fantastic. Um... I, I really appreciate your time uh, I think this has been fantastic it's been really exciting it makes me really really look forward to kind of the future of VR and particularly board games I gotta say initially I was a little bit hesitant it's like eh, why do I need VR for board games I've got board games That's, that is the experience but you know hearing your enthusiasm and hearing you kind of talk about this it, it,
4: it's exciting Gordon has gotten me all
1: into it so. I, I really, really, but
4: not that, okay, so once again I have the privilege of getting to play with you in real life Right. And that's also perfect. But you know what? Sometime we may want to play when like you're in New York and you're in LA, and I just sort of go mm. next best thing will be to pop a helmet on and be mm-hmm. like, right. And just be together because like, you matter. it'd like, mm-hmm. be, you know, just make the time. So into it, too. I'm also into it. Yeah. And plug. Wait, Matt, plug your game. <laughs> What's that game you made? I can't wait to play it. Ah, the King's Guild. Yes. My board game that's coming
1: out this summer. So, How do people get
4: it? Can they order it now? <laughs> uh,
1: yes, they can if they go to uh, search for the King's Guild on Kickstarter, and we have
4: a pre-order link there. I will do so. The King's Guild on Kickstarter. <laughs> I'm into it. What? Thank you, Gordon. You are very, very welcome. <laughs> All right. So I think
2: that probably brings our discussion here to a close. I think it does so uh, Matt where can folks find us if they want to follow us or subscribe or leave us a message
1: uh, you can find us on Twitter Facebook and Instagram all at the game agenda Uh, and make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes podcasts wherever you listen to your podcasts Uh, let us know have you tried uh, settlers of Catan VR and if so what did you think of it
2: anybody Um, have any questions for Gordon anything that we should uh, follow up with him about or get some more advice on I'm on Twitter too
4: I'm I'm at Gordon but I'm going to follow you you, so you can that, get to, that, that. you can get to me through them. Sounds great. Perfect. All right. I mean, wait, is it the game's agenda? The,
1: the game, game agenda. The
4: game. So singular. The game the game's agenda. agenda. Got it. Okay. All
1: right. Cool. Thanks so much for coming on, Gordon. And until next time, I'm Matt. I'm Larry. I'm
3: Nick. Bye. Bye. Bye.